Right now, I'd like to introduce to you some friends of mine. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome back. back. Welcome back. Okay, so Keem, can you take us into our mental health minute? Um, normally, you know, our brain, when we're in situations, it tries to figure out solutions to things, even things we can't really control or fix. And it's all good until it becomes a problem. So here are like a list of some things that, you know, things you can control versus things that you can't control. So this list right here of things you can control are how you speak to yourself, who has access to you, how you react, how much rest you receive, whether you ask for help, how you can refill your cup and prioritize your needs. Also, let's go all the way back to episode one. Things you can control are whether you enforce the boundaries that you set. There we go. See, Bobby is making it physical. Listen, it, it, it just it goes. And the last thing is what you say yes and or agree to. OK, so some of these things are things that you can control. These are within your power. You can do whatever you want. You can control these things. Now, on the flip side of this coin, these are some of the things you can't control. Now, these are some <laughs> points because, like, I feel like I've been experiencing these things like all week, all month, mm. <laughs> practically half my life. Okay. <laughs> Some of these things that you can't control are what people say about you, whether or not people like you, every detail in the future, uh. your energy level, whether you receive help, how much life throws at you and or your friends. Mm. <laughs> Bringing it back to episode one, <laughs> how they react to your boundaries. Okay. And also whether or not people will try to change your mind. Cause you know, you may say no and people will be like, Oh, well, why don't you just, you know, you, you, you should, I said, no, you, but you can't control what somebody else says to you. You know, if they try to, you know, persuade you. So these are some of the things to think about because, you know, in life, once again, like I tried, well, I, what I said before is our brain, it tries to uh, create solutions, even the things we can't fix. And sometimes we want to control what other people do and what other people say and other people's reactions to us. But we have no control over that. All we can do is focus on the things that we do have control over and work from there. And if those people, you know, can't really meet the needs or they can't respect the boundaries that you set, then... It's time to let those people go. (laughs) But just remember the things that, you know, you can control and the things that you can't control. So, yeah, that's the Mental Health Minute for today. Um, Keem, can we get a list of both of those Mm -hmm. so we can post that on our social media? Yes, I can send you. I would like to look back at those and remind myself. Um, It stood out to me when you said we cannot control our energy level. Mm -hmm. We can't. Sometimes we think we have the energy for stuff and it really isn't that. And I kind of wanted to talk about that too, because 
energy is something that's really, really, uh, that's a real thing because you may be hyped for something or you, you know, you want to help, you want to do this. But if your body is physically like exhausted or you're mentally exhausted, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have that to give and you can't Mm -hmm. control whether or not, hey, I'm going to be feeling this way, you know, to this commitment I made a week ago. Things change and you can't predict how you're going to feel in that moment. So that's a very important thing because you can't predict, you know, how you'll feel a day from now, two weeks from now, 30 minutes from now. You may not feel like doing it, you know, so it's it's important to uh, to listen to yourself and honor your boundaries. Uh, that <laughs> word is just this podcast uh, should be named three little gold boundaries, boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, listen the word just it i didn't i didn't know it was this you know prevalent oh, till yeah. i'm you know doing I, my research I, the energy part caught me too because um i guess like you're saying you can't control your energy but i think there's a big difference between energy and effort hmm. so i think sometimes when you don't have the energy I, there are times where you still got to push through and say, I made this commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said to this person, we would do this or I'm at work. So I got to put, you know, I'll, they don't care if I got the energy, right. mm-hmm. but that is true because I feel like there are times that you do have to really honor the amount of energy you have, but there are times where regardless there's effort you got to put forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Part of growing up, bro. Maybe it's just like being mindful of it as mm-hmm. you go into it or just being self-aware Mm-hmm. Like I'm waking up this morning, my energy is not there. I'm at a zero, but I still have to work. So because I know that, mm-hmm. I'm gonna kind of structure my day mm-hmm. so that I don't have to interact with that many people. Right. And I may be just again. doing internet type things where I can just type and not have to really right. give <laughs> off a negative type of energy that I know I may be. Right feeling that day. So that's yep. that's really a good one. And then the other one you said, we can't control whether or not we receive help. So we can control asking for it. Yeah. But we can't control whether or not we receive it. Mm-hmm. And that takes me back to a former episode where I said, you are allowed to ask for what you want. And you can always do that. Now, whether or not the person chooses to, you know, mm-hmm. honor that need, you can't, you don't really have a say-so over that, you know, right. but you can control, okay, these are my needs and this is what I'm asking of you. You do have a say-so about asking again, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that much is true. You are, you, you do. That's a boundary right there. Mm. Okay. I like it. That was good, Kim. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Bobby, I know you have a lot of interesting things to watch, so enlighten us on your things to watch and listen to on this week's episode. Yes. So I have three pretty different things to watch this week. Um, The first one is a YouTube video. It's only about 45 minutes and it's actually this series that they do called Recipe for Change. Um, I think they do it because they bring different groups of people together at a table and they just discuss really cool or even hard topics, kind of like us. (laughs) Um, But this one is called Amplifying Black Women. And so three celebrities, Tabitha Brown, Sweetie, and Mary J. Blige, they invited a bunch of different women to each of their tables that happened in different areas. Um, Each of them had, of course, Tabitha Brown had her, she's a chef, she has a restaurant, so she had her um, dinner catered by her own restaurant. But the other two had really top-tier Black women chef cook the dinner for them to have conversations over. So the different tables had people like Kelly Rowland, they had Lonnie 
Love is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, from the real. <laughs> um, they had some best-selling authors. They had screenwriters, songwriters, um, and they had even the former mayor Keisha Lance Bottom. So it was a very eclectic group of even women, and they were all just talking about how it is to be a black woman. They asked them different questions like, "How do you feel when you hear strong black women? Like, what's the first thing you think of?" Um, they talked about just their experiences within their different industries. And it's just so good. And it's very uplifting. And I just love how it's a spotlight shined, literally amplifying these Black women, their stories, their experiences. And it's just super positive. So I just feel like all Black women, all people really in general should watch it um, because you just get to see us in all of our different flavors and types. And it's just really inspiring. Sounds good. I got to check that out. I haven't heard of that. It's interesting because a lot of shows you you really be on it with these shows because some of them I haven't heard of. So, you know, it always gives me something to look forward to to watch. So I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah. And they're starting to just come to me like YouTube. It was just a video that I saw clips of on different people's stuff. Mm -hmm. Amanda Seals is in it, too. She has her own little section where she's on the street asking people. About black or whatever, and usually they're with somebody who's not of color, mm-hmm. and they don't really know the answers, and so she's just being kind of shady. But it's funny. Um, so that's really good, and it's executive produced. I don't know if I said this already, but it's executive produced by LeBron James, and I love that that he's taken his platform to amplify these black women. Mm-hmm. So that's that. The second one, another scammer, guys. Come on, it's called the dropout. <sighs> yes, exhale it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I like I was open mouth gagging <laughs> at this show because I just don't under like <laughs> they just love giving white women money and they don't know anything. They just throw millions of dollars at them. Millions. Millions. Oh my and, God. and they're just running businesses that are very shady and that just don't prosper. I, I don't get it. And wait, just sidebar. I really want to know what those emails looked like. Because if all this stuff was going on and all this shady stuff was going on and nothing was actually happening, like, how are they communicating in the office? Like, what, what did this you look saw. like? You saw how they kept it very secluded. Yeah. Level to that shit. People lost access to certain things. Because So for anybody that doesn't know, The yeah. Dropout is a Hulu original limited series. Only eight episodes. Um, starring Amanda Seyfried. Um, and she plays Elizabeth Holmes, who at one point was apparently the youngest self-made billionaire in the world. Which sure. is absolutely crazy because the whole shit was fake. Mm-hmm. Um, she stole almost $700 million from different companies and investors. And so she, the thing is, she was developing this kind of healthcare technology where people are over like being pricked with needles and having to take all this blood to figure out what kind of tests, what kind of health conditions you have. So she developed this technology whereby the prick of a finger you can get a drop of blood or a few drops as they kept changing the storyline down the road. Yes, a hot um, mess. <laughs> and you put it on this card and you stick it in the machine and the machine is exactly what they were selling. And the machine tests and lets you know what kinds of health conditions that you have. So it could be that, oh, you're about to have a miscarriage or, oh, you actually have cancer. And it's supposed to be able to catch it early enough that you can do something about it and you don't have to lose a loved one. Her why behind it was commendable. But the girl was off and strange. Very so that much. That was the first part about it. She picked, handpicked the right people to bring in at the beginning that made it have some kind of um, 
Don't give too much away. Okay, I won't. I won't. But it's very, very good. And I mean, what you're saying here about why the fuck do they keep giving these people money? It's just like because they're being convincing, and because yeah, I, just, hey, just from listening to y'all, it reminds me so much of the Fire Festival. Yeah, because that <laughs> has so many investors. So many investors. Like you have to watch it. Yes. <laughs> okay, I have to because I'm sure it's tied in somehow. But he didn't even. He got like 18 months in prison, like or something crazy. I don't quote me on that. But here's the lie. thing: she's not even arrested yet. She should be yeah. thrown in jail. He probably she, he probably was her inspiration for this. But she does have um like she could go to jail for 20 years she if she does get um indicted or whatever yeah. but anyway <clears throat> that's a whole nother topic about these scammers the third one is queen of the south have y'all seen that i haven't seen it but i've heard of it i've seen some people watching it same so if you like that kind of drug cartel um <laughs> high intensity <laughs> situation i love that shit i'm realizing that that's I, that type of show i really like because the way that their minds work so it's like the fact that you really have to live your life your whole life on the run that's some skill. And your family's life. Your family's life. It's literally life, literally life or death. Every Living on the that edge. So it's in its fifth season now. It started on USA, but it's on Netflix. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the end because I think that last episode, even though it was not my favorite, was the series finale. Um, so it's about this young woman, Teresa Mendoza. Love her. She is she starts from the bottom. It's like the typical story, like from the bottom and she makes it all the way up to the top. And so you just follow her struggles and her love stories and all this kind of stuff. And it's just bomb. So make sure you watch that. Um, My thing to listen to, very chill vibes, Kehlani. I love her. Mm -hmm. She has a project out. It's an R&B soul project called Blue Water Road. To me, it was very different um, for what I was expecting from her. Yeah, It wasn't really like, giving stage performance dancers kind of vibe. It was kind of like I'm literally sitting by the beach listening to this project. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it's chill. She has um, features like, I don't know how you say his name correct. He's B-L-X-S-T. Does anybody know how to say that? Blast. Blast? Yeah, I think it's Blast. On purpose, on purpose. Yeah. I th- maybe it is Blast, um, but he's dope. His yeah, he's dope. I like amazing. his vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Justin Bieber, Sid, Jess, Jesse Reyes, and then Ombre, which shout out Ombre. You are so amazing. Killing it, girl. Um, so, yeah, if you need something cool, chill, and you love Kehlani's voice, her tone, listen to that. And that are my things to watch and listen to. And I'm going to toss it over to Nikki B with her nicks and giggles. Thank you, Bobby. I will add everything to my list. <laughs> um, okay, so this week I have to talk about this. I am so sick and tired of walking down the street, whether I'm going to freaking CVS or bar, of people, men, telling me to smile. I'm, mm. sick, I'm so over it. Yikes. I, don't, I can't explain it. <laughs> not yikes. I can't explain <laughs> exactly why it is so disrespectful. But the first thing that comes to mind is that I don't exist to, to physically please you. Mm-hmm. So, if, like... You're telling me, oh, smile. Like, for what? Like, I could be having a great day, but I, 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 nobody walks down the street literally just smiling ear to ear. Just like ear to ear cheesing. I, I don't get why you're telling me to smile. I don't get mm-hmm. it. Like, I, if that's what you, you know, if that's what you want to see, but that's not what I'm giving you. 
Like, you mm. don't deserve to tell me what to do or to ask anything of me. I'm so sick and tired of it. So the other day, this guy told me to smile. No, I think actually what he said was, oh, my gosh, you would look so much better if you smiled. Mm. Yeah. That's like grounds to get cursed out. It, yeah. So maybe he didn't word it that way, but he basically was saying it'd be better if you smile. Mm. Like, he might have said, like, oh, you're cute. but You should, you should smile. smile. Right. Mm. And I literally said, but why? Why like why are you why are you asking me to smile? And he was like, I'm just saying, like, you should smile. Like you, you look upset. I said, Well, I wasn't, but now I am. Like, it's not like I just don't want you to talk to me. And he was like, Okay, I'm sorry. And then it's like we have this I feel like certain men think black women specifically are walking around with like a chip on their shoulder, but it's like because y'all keep doing mm. this nonsense. Stop mm. telling me people to smile mm-hmm. like keep it moving say hi give a nice compliment and keep it moving yeah I'm telling people what to do i'm so sick and tired of it yeah I swear, I'm like the next person that tells you to smile some get the fuck and out your like, face <laughs> period why don't yeah. you try to put why don't you try to bring some joy into my life if you feel like i look so miserable tell me a joke give me right. a compliment How right about you do something why do i gotta right. do it all right like it's just like i literally do not exist to help you in any way. You are a stranger. Not here for your consumption, sir. Fuck out of here. Oh. And his teeth were busted. <laughs> <laughs> so then um I saw this Instagram post that was cracking up at it. So the it's one of those like scroll. Okay, so the post is like a bunch of tweets, basically. Mm-hmm. But the original tweet said, What would a real nigga dissertation topic be? <laughs> like, what would black people get their PhD in? And they're like a play on words with certain topics. So I just want to read a few of them because I was cracking up. Um, one of them was close my door. You're letting my air out. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. An in-depth look into home sustainability and energy practices used in the black community. <laughs> like, like, it's just crazy because like people really say this crap. Okay, another one. They're up under the sink. An examination of plastic bags. <laughs> 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 no. Oh my god! I was so I upset. Why do we save plastic bags? I don't know. Literally, yeah. I no, no, I know. I use them all the time. Yeah, that too. But like, some people Not have many. literally bags Once under we the have sink. Like twenty. Stop saving more. Yeah, I save them all because we they go so fast. Oh my! But gosh. you know what does blow me about that? When the location of the plastic bags changes and nobody tells the house, <laughs> that pisses me off. Because I go downstairs specifically. Or a under the sink. Oh my gosh. They're not there. Nobody's home. <laughs> I need a plastic bag. So I have to call my mom and be like, Mom, where's the plastic bag? They're under the sink. No, they're not. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> moved them. And then my dad's like, Oh, I'll move them to the drawer. Why would you move them to the drawer? Yeah, they they remain under the sink. I don't I don't have a problem as much. Ours under aren't under the sink. We have like a little, it's like an old woman little thing that the bags go in. <laughs> like an old lady bag? <laughs> you put yeah, all the bags. Yeah. But I had to tell my mom, once that thing is full, stop putting bags next to me. <laughs> that is okay. hilarious. This one cracked me up also because I have personally heard this one. After everything I did for you, mapping how parental guilt shapes black parent-child relationships. (laughs) (laughs) You know what the funny thing is? Like, I've seen this before, Nikki, somewhere on Twitter in passing. Uh, And I'm always dying because, like, (laughs) 
there's something about the shared experiences with black people that we have. Yes, like yes. when you think like you're the only person that goes through it, and you're no, like, no. <laughs> other people are going through the exact same thing. The same thing. I have to read two more. It's like, do we have the same life? Right, right. No, we literally do. Like, this one I'm guilty of. Take the chicken out of the freezer. Examination <laughs> of how black children learn to take individual responsibility <laughs> for community welfare. <laughs> 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 okay, and then, um, wait, where's the other one? Oh, shoot. There's one more weird. <laughs> Oh, you're running up my life bill. Examining utility management, teaching children fiscal responsibility. Come on, utility management. That's real. It's not, it's not happening, though. It's oh, happening. my God. The black shared experience. Up. We love to see it. Oh, my gosh. I would probably remember every single one of those. I'm going to send y'all the post. So y'all can read all of them. Y'all, we're going to have a lot of things to post on socials this week. Right. Yeah, we will. All right, y'all. So we'll be back after a short break. And we are back. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. So for our last segment, Bobby, what do you have for us today for the pickup conversation? Yes. Yeah, so as we all know, we are amongst graduation season. Shout yes. out to all shout out to all the graduates. Graduates. Yes. Great job for pushing through. This Especially was my bestie, uh, Miss I'm I'm gonna punch their name, but KH. <laughs> Yes, shout out K KM Blinks. You did it. You did it. You almost did it, girl. Um, but so yeah, so I was really trying to think about schools and like how different experiences in schools prepare you for life. And I think one of the biggest things that I've always thought about is the demographic in your school. Mm -hmm. So like usually depending on the area that you live in will determine what the population is like at your school, whether you go to an all black school an all white school, a very diverse school. Um, There may be more Asian individuals there. There may be more Hispanic individuals. And how does that shape you for the world for, you know, living your life and interacting with different types of people. So I want to start there. So we're talking about the grade school age from like elementary school, middle school, even high school. If you've always gone to a majority black school, if you've all as a black person, even always gone to a majority white school or as a white person, always gone to a majority black school or vice versa. Or if you always gone to pretty diverse, um, inclusive school environments, how does that affect you as a person functioning in society? Mm-hmm. So what do y'all think about that first? That's my part A. I think it definitely plays a huge role. I've always gone to diverse schools from K through 12, like not even just all black or all white at all. Like my middle school was very diverse and it was, a um, what is it called? They called it gifted and talented. We don't, we don't mm-hmm. really use that term anymore. There's a gifted and talented middle school and it was an arts middle school as well. So it was super, super diverse. Like I remember having an Asian friend, Hispanic friend and two black girls in my like one group of friends. Mm-hmm. And then high school, my high school was known to be very diverse in the county I live in. Like I remember our hallway, um, like the main hallway of the school, I think they're still there. They had a flag from over a hundred countries that were represented 
within the school itself. Wow. Um, first generation or second generation students. So I think it's played a big role. Like, obviously, I, that doesn't mean I know about every culture, but just understanding that everybody comes from somewhere and we're not all the same. And that's what, you know, kind of makes the mm-hmm. world go around. I think it's really important. Nice. Um, For me, this is interesting because um, from grade school, I went to my neighborhood grade school, so it was predominantly black. So pretty much anyone that lived in the neighborhood <laughs> went to that school. <laughs> However, when I got to middle school, that's when I experienced diversity. So I had just like Nikki, there was like a different mix of like different kids because it was in a different part of the city. Mm. So I got to experience all types of like, you know, cultures, nationalities and stuff like that. So I think that was important for me at that age because I had never gone to school with a white person. So it was very new to me. Like, Oh, okay. Wow. We're all in the same class. Oh, cool. You want to be friends? All right, cool. We can be friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like envisioning King. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was, it was definitely a, a different experience in, you know, grade school and then going somewhere completely different where you just, it was kind of almost like a culture shock to me. Like, so, but I think that was the cool thing because at that age, it's like, okay, all right, we can all be in the same area and be friends and, you know, and it it can just be, it it helped. It helped. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of like started shaping my brain then like, okay, diversity, like, this is what the world is kind of like. Not all the time you'll be in, you know, black spaces with, you know, it's the same people. So, yeah, I think it, at that age, it did help shape my mind to to open up and be accepting way earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I've had a pretty eclectic, like, school experience. Because, like, when I was really young, definitely was majority black. Like, pre-K, elementary school, majority black. Yeah. Um, Pre-K was private school, but majority black. Um, elementary school was public school, but majority black. Middle school was where it really got diverse. Um, even just like seeing different families coming to school in different types of cars, like, oh, okay. Yeah. You coming from money, like that's when you start to really right. see like these different types of experiences. And then high school was majority black. I mean, we had some diversity, but I mean, we was majority black. So yeah. I think that high school is what was the deciding factor for me for what kind of college I wanted to go to. Right. Um, Because I felt like I had already experienced being around Black people all the time, Mm -hmm. having classes with them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I had enough of experience of other cultures. Mm -hmm. So my second question is, it's always that question I feel like for a Black person when you're about to graduate from high school, do I go to an HBCU or do I go to a PWI? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, okay, I'm deciding on this because I want to know what's going to prepare me the most for the world in my eyes. What do y'all feel like in your perspective, and you can even make it in a general perspective, which type of school experience do you feel like really prepares you for the world? And it can be as a Black person or just as a person in general. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I remember in high school, it was between um, Hampton and Maryland. Which, mm-hmm. is, which are two different environments completely. Obviously, one's at HBCU, one's at PWI. But also, I took into account that although Maryland is not majority Black, out of the 25 plus thousand people, 
if it's 10% black, that's, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's still going to be enough black people where I have friends is what mm-hmm. I thought. But I think, I really think being in a PWI really challenged me to accept diversity and be like culturally competent and continue yeah. to like learn how to do that. I'm not saying HBCUs don't do that. I don't have an HBCU experience, mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't imagine going to a school with majority white, like I'm talking like 99% or mm. majority black, 99%. I don't feel like I'd be, I just feel like it wouldn't help me in society as a whole. Mm-hmm. If I did either or. I remember like even Bucknell was on my list <clears throat> because I had an opportunity to have a scholarship there. And me and my mom visited and I was like, there's just no way in hell. Like there was mm-hmm. not one black person, not mm-hmm. one black staff. We sat Maryland, like our group of friends and everybody that we knew, I feel like it was black. If we wanted to hang with white people, we could. Like right. we did. But it was a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. So I think a PWI better prepares. Yeah. Um, for me at least, um hmm, it's interesting because Knowing, I mean, I'll put it this way. I didn't really, the choice I made to go to the college that I wanted to go to was I had went to visit when I was about to be a freshman in high school. So I went to Penn State. So I made my decision based off of that experience that I had there, but it was fun. It wasn't really black or white. (laughs) You know, my cousin (laughs) took me there. I was like, yo, it's lit. This is my first choice. I got into my first choice. But um, uh, thinking about it now, I will say that like Penn State, the black population is like this big. Mm. <laughs> it's 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 not really, you know, it's not really a it's diverse to a certain degree, but like they're it's predominantly white, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's in a white town. It's mm-hmm. it's it, it is what it is. Um what I notice is that for me, the experience that I got from it taught me how to move in certain ways when I'm in certain spaces Mm -hmm. with um, white people or, you know, my white counterparts. So when it comes to jobs and, you know, Mm -hmm. corporate spaces or just anything in general, like I know how they think sometimes, or, you know, I, I know the responses that they'll say, or just, just in whatever, like I've, I've been so prone to just being around them so much that it helped me maneuver in ways where it's just like okay that won't be a roadblock for me I know how Mm -hmm. to get around these people you Mm -hmm. know they're not going to stop me from doing this because and that is actually true because you do have to be twice as good you have to be Mm -hmm. twice as better and that's unfortunate but the thing is knowing what I know now I think I made the right choice but honestly and I loved all the friends I made and the experience that I had and I wouldn't trade it for anything but thinking now I probably would have gone to an HBCU I don't know there's something I feel like I still would have known like what to do when I'm in certain spaces with like white people and how to move I would have just been aware even though I wouldn't have been exposed to that many people, but there's something about um, the the pride that I enjoy seeing with HBCUs. That's like, dang, like we had a small black community at Penn state and it was kind of like, we all band together when we needed mm-hmm. to, but like, there's just something that's so like, 
encompassing like seeing like you know like howard and you know morgan you yeah. know like like it's so dope to witness that and there's like a pride like coming from that that i wish that i could experience because i feel like that can just trump what you know you the, that overall experience will just be something that you hold on to more than like okay it's diverse i know mm-hmm. how to you know move in spaces with white people because they're <laughs> going to teach you that because i feel like there are people there that are familiar with those spaces and that can help you maneuver and and get around so i don't know just thinking about it now i'm like man i wish i had gone to a hbcu but you know it is what it is but i'm grateful for the experience but also it taught me a lot it taught Mm -hmm. me a a whole lot being at a pwi so i am grateful for that experience because it did shape my mind and it did help me you know get ahead in certain ways Mm. when i'm in certain spaces which i feel like if you ever want to know, you got to get in the space with them, you know? So <laughs> I, 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 that's just me. I just want to add real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, I do really feel that a PWI better prepares for society, especially I feel like Maryland did. Um, but I agree with Keem in the, in the sense that if I could do it again, like knowing what I know now and mm-hmm. like just how I become more aware of like the world and what's right. going on with black people. I probably would still choose the HBCU again, even knowing that I still feel like like my PWI prepared me. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I would still choose an HBCU just given that I know I won't deal with or little to no racism there. Mm-hmm. I won't have to worry about people judging who I am, the way I look. Right. I mean, people are going to be judgmental regardless. I'm about to it's, say, yeah, that could di- still happen. It still happens, but it's it's different when it comes from people that are not in your culture. Right. It's a whole different mm-hmm. issue within the Black community of, like, judgmental There's that- people. But I think it's, I, I would almost rather do with that mm. for four years than the the sneakiness right because i was gonna say like those things right there are like things that set me off and it's one thing when we have that shared experience (laughs) when we get in black spaces and we know what the fuckery is and we give each other that look like there's something that it's easier to call out yeah to call out black people than it is white people right it's something and i always was i really was on the fence like really thinking like yeah at hbcus you do get that nurturing like even for my sister she's going to go to an hbcu and she always knew she wanted to do an hbcu from she never even questioned that because and it could be because she went to majority black schools I mean, yeah when she was younger she went to i mean they were still majority black private school or not they were still majority black so i feel like that was her comfort zone that was what experience she wanted to have mm-hmm. um for me i my main thought process was this is not going to be like how the real world is. Like me going to an HBCU and being covered and loved mm-hmm. by black people is just not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be in an experience where I can choose, I can find my people right. in a PWI. Um, but I think where it becomes problematic is like, if you are, for instance, a black child and you grew up in schools that were majority white schools, and then you go on to a PWI school, I feel like you never really had a chance to like hone in on your identity as a black person. Right. So then when you go to PWI, you may not fit in with the black community that's at that PWI and mm-hmm. it may make you want to go over and like, oh, okay, well, let me go hang over with the, these Asian people over here or these African people over here or these white people over here. And you kind of can lose yourself a little bit. So then when you get into the real world, it's like, 
dang, like, where am I? Whereas an mm-hmm. HBCU probably does give you that kind of foundation. No matter what personality type you are, you're going to find your group because everybody's black. <laughs> Everybody is just there. But I just felt like, I don't know. I didn't want to be missing out on opportunities to learn about other cultures, about other people. Just, I love, like, at Maryland, like, okay, tonight we want to go party with the Qs. Tomorrow we want to go party with, I don't know what a white fraternity is. (laughs) (laughs) We want to go there because Uh that's where we want to go. Or we want to go to a a bar where everybody's going to be at. Or we want to go to um, Asian Heritage Celebration where we, like, you have so many options and so many ways to maneuver and opportunities to network with different people. So then beyond college, you have so much opportunity for people. So I don't know. I was just, I was really stuck on that. Like, which one really, really helps you for society? And I guess it just depends on the type of person. Yeah. HBCU could help you. Like, I might need that nurturing and that foundation to have the confidence mm-hmm. to get up here and speak in front of these people that... I don't really feel like understand me. Right. You know? So. I agree. I think size also plays a big role. In the, like size and location. Yes. Like that, I mean, if you go from a school in the city and then you go to a rural town, whether it's HBC or, you know, or PWI, that's going to be prob- not problematic, but it's going to take an adjustment period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yes, that was my topic for today. I feel like, um, both of y'all have very different experiences and like takeaways, which I think are really cool. Um, and thank you very much, everybody. We did our 11th episode. <laughs> yes. Finally. Yes, yes. Any yes, final yes. thoughts or comments? Hmm. <laughs> I had to boundaries. Like ponder. <laughs> yeah, just make sure y'all honoring y'all boundaries at the end of the day. Like, that's it. Like, don't have people out here making y'all look crazy like respect them tell people to respect your boundaries that's it that's all i have and don't tell people to smile and don't be a scammer <laughs> yes period <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> i seen a meme that said i want to scam so bad but i'm afraid god's gonna make an example of me <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's true and i never felt so seen before <laughs> You're gonna be the next documentary. Right, right. Exactly. They'll make an example of me. All right, y'all. Peace out. See you guys next episode. Bye. Bye.